This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. This episode contains discussion of murder, child murder, mental health issues, rape, torture, kidnapping, stabbing, and gun violence. Listener discretion is advised. Today's episode will cover three different cases. First is the murder of Kendra and Alicia suing at the hands of their stepfather, Lawrence Harris. He would claim that it was a protection spell he learned studying witchcraft that went awry, which caused the girl's death. Then we take a look at John Crutchley, the vampire rapist. Crutchley was convicted of kidnapping and rape, but he is suspected by authorities to be a serial killer with as many as 30 victims. And last, we take a brief look at Richard Jordan Tarver, who knew he could survive a zombie apocalypse, but only if he knew what it felt like to kill someone. All right. Well, welcome to Killer Queens. Gosh. We're going down the Halloween rabbit hole today. Yes. Got some zombies, got some vampires, got some witchcraft. Ooh. I, um, I was going to sing, but I'm not going to do it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Rude. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited for spooky season. This is the best. I'm not excited about, you know, crimes like these. Sure. Sure. We don't like that at all. Mm-mm. But um, I am happy that this is a Halloween episode. Yeah. Because that means that it is, in fact, Halloween. Yeah. And you know I'm just scared. So. Yes. I do know that. Yeah. Yes. Um, We do want to thank Mark for writing this episode up. And he found two of the cases. And then one was submitted by Jessica Ferguson. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, guys. We love you. All right. Should we just, like, jump on in? I thought we were going to do that already. But then you just wouldn't stop talking. All right. That, like, literally, I'm ready to just, you want to go, bitch? <laughs> all, all afternoon, I've just been on your case. Yeah, we've literally been talking about, like, other business things, and just every once in a while, she'll drop something, and I'm like, that. that's one more time, and I'm like, <laughs> why I yoda? Yeah. All right. So Halloween tends to bring back memories for a lot of us as we get older, This time of year, it's easy to get caught up in the nostalgia and remember that feeling of excitement leading up to going out with your friends and family to trick-or-treat. Maybe as you got a little bit older, instead of trick-or-treating, you went to parties with your friends. What are some of your favorite Halloween costumes over the years? I I thoroughly enjoyed you as a red (laughs) M&M. 
That one was fun. Yep, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I went as a red M&M. This was seventh grade. I was desperately trying to attract a guy that I liked who went trick-or-treating with us. And I thought, what is the sexiest thing I can come up with? Turns out it's the red M&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the green is the sexy M&M. I know. Every, if I tell the story ever, whoever I'm talking to is like, oh, you were the green M&M? And I'm like, not even. No, I was the red M&M, the red the one. one. We, uh, spoiler alert, we never dated. So there's that. They're there. I know. I don't blame They're the there. red M&M costume because I did look like a snack. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I also really thoroughly enjoyed doing the makeup for Valak a couple years ago. I have seen others that are like studio makeup that, I mean, I was like, wow, that is exactly Valak, but it was fun. I just like to do the makeup. Like, I just think that it's really fun. Um, and I like- What is Valak? Um, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. It's a <laughs> demon nun from The Conjuring 2. Oh, yes. That scared the shit out of me. And Ben saw a picture of it and it scared the shit out of him yeah. too. But the makeup, I mean, you you did an amazing job on your makeup. Oh, thank you. I tried. <laughs> yeah. But it was scary. Yeah, Very scary. That's the point, though. That was, that was in fact, the sure. point. I did go to a Halloween party that year, and the rule was to dress up, and I was the only one dressed up. Nobody else dressed up? Well, if you— And you looked like you came straight from hell? <laughs> if you—yeah. <laughs> if you count, like— wearing sexy bees no no not even that not even that the hosts had on hockey jerseys and they had those like jason Voorhees like hockey mask things and i was like oh you put on a shirt what that was what it was yeah that's stupid i know i'm sorry but it is Yeah, I also really enjoyed doing Starina from The Birdcage. That one was super fun. Oh, yeah, you did a really good job on that. You, like, made your muff. I made that muff, yes. Yeah. That furry, furry muff. Um, And the hat. I don't know, it's just fun to, like, to have a vision and then, like, see it come to life and, like, piece it all together and stuff. I think that's so fun. Trilla, you as Rachel and Andrew wasn't a great Ross, but still. Yeah, but he had the monkey, monkey. Marcel, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I really liked it too. Um, It was fun. And what made me feel very old, you know what? We'll share, somebody remind me, but we'll share pictures of this on our Instagram so you can see some of our previous Halloween costumes. I really liked doing that one though. And we went to dinner before we went to your house for the party. And the our waiter was like, who are you supposed to be? And I was like, what? Russ and Rachel? I mean, I was wearing like the Central Perk thing and like, and um, I can't remember if it was a waiter or a waitress. I don't remember. But anyway, um, this person was like. Your server. Yes, my server was like, um, I think I've heard of them before. And I was like the show friends and they were like, oh yeah. Like had just no idea. And I was like, okay. Well, that was hurtful. Um, I also liked my hot dog costume. You, that's been an old faithful. Mm -hmm. Well, and bacon and eggs, of course. But as a kid, I don't remember. I mean, I think my favorite trick or treating that we ever did. I, of course, don't remember anything I've ever dressed up as. But I did like when we ran went around to the houses when we were too old to trick or treat and did the sang the monster mash. I know. I was just telling Miss KB about this the other night. It was fun. Um, 
because you had the echoey microphone and our cousin and I had the blow up guitars and we made the duct tape guitar straps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we were they did the mash and you were like they did the bombs the mash. <laughs> it was <laughs> we got all of the candy yeah it was awesome kids just started following us around we ended up giving the kids the candy we didn't take it from the kids of course no yeah it was really fun yes. everybody loved it too they were like people like interactive getting, yes serenaded. <laughs> it was fun it was. i just i miss it i miss that kind of stuff it was so fun i do too but anyway, we want to know what kind of costumes you guys had. Yeah, what, are your, what were your favorites? What are some that, yeah, you've done that you've had a a grand old time with? Yeah. I remember one time you were Cinderella as a kid. Was I? Yeah. Oh. And I was Minnie Mouse. Oh, you were. Yeah. Yeah. We also did that for Mardi Gras one year, but still. Okay. Yep. I think I remember that. Hashtag leftover costumes. I mean, why not? Exactly. But do you think we should keep going? Yeah, 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 because I can't think of any other ones. Um, All right. So according to a Reader's Digest article, here are some of the most popular costumes throughout the years. Throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the most popular costumes centered around pop culture icons ranging from Batman to Marilyn Monroe to the Beatles and Elvis. There were also some classic costumes mixed in there like cowboys, Dracula, Frankenstein, astronauts. In the 80s and 90s um, and through the 2000s, movie and TV characters became a staple in the Halloween costume scene. In the 80s, when campy horror movies were at their peak, we had Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Also topping the list from the 80s were Michael Jackson and Madonna with Beetlejuice and the Ghostbusters mixed in there as well. The 90s were full of movie characters, ranging from Marty McFly and Back to the Future to Lloyd and Harry from Dumb and Dumber to Neo from The Matrix. Well, and I remember our cousin went as Mary Catherine Gallagher. Oh, yeah. um, Superstar. Totally. That was so funny. Um, The Simpsons were another popular one in the 90s, along with the Spice Ghouls. I remember going as Ginger just this past Halloween. Yeah. I'll have to share that one, too. You did a really good job with that. Oh, thank you. And I remember years and years and years ago, one of my friends, um, at the time she, it was her birthday and she always wanted to do like a themed birthday party. So we all went as the Spice Girls. I ended up having, not having to be, but I ended up being um, posh, which she's not, she's not the flavor I choose. You know what I mean? Like she's, sure. I I don't Boring dress like fuck. that. And yeah, it's kind of, you know, the little Gucci dress, the little Gucci dress, oh, the little Gucci dress. Like, Okay. Plus, my feet were bloody stumps by the end of it, so. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we got to share that for sure. Okay, but no list of 90s costumes would be complete without Ghostface from Scream. Get out of here with that shit. It scares me. The (laughs) 2000s and up were dominated by movie and pop culture characters from Harry Potter to Star Wars and everything in between. Halloween is among the oldest traditions throughout the world, not specifically trick-or-treating, but some observance of the holiday has existed for years, mainly marking the transition from summer to winter. Every recorded civilization has created some form of ritual observance focused on what happens to people when they die and how the living can honor and interact with them. So, of course, Mexico has the Day of the Dead, which is the time when family and friends gather to pay respects and remember friends and family members who have died. And yes, um, 
Mark brings up the movie Coco, which is the Pixar and Disney movie. It's so good. It's so good. And also, like, what just what a beautiful ritual. Mm -hmm. You know, it like makes because death is a part of life and it is natural. Mm -hmm. Not in the ways that we're going to talk about it today, but you know what I mean? Like, it's part of it's the circle of life, man. Um, absolutely. I feel like in the United States, especially, we don't do a good job of teaching that to our kids, you know? And like, I feel like doing something like Day of the Dead, it makes it this like not so scary kind of like, we don't talk about it, just pretend like it's never going to happen kind of thing. Like, I just feel like it's a healthy and beautiful expression. Yeah, I do too. Traditions abound when it comes to Halloween too. Trick-or-treating and dressing in costumes are obviously at the top of the list for most kids. But there's also carving jack-o'-lanterns. And subsequently, I would never do this, but um, probably you would, Tori. Letting it oh, sit 100%. on your front porch until Thanksgiving um, when it starts to grow legs and and really just does this a solid and tries to throw itself away. Or it just sort of like <sighs> peters into nothing. Yeah, it starts to collapse into itself. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like a weird, mushy situation. Yeah. Yes, I've done it every year, every honestly. Year. I've had a pumpkin, yeah. Yeah. I also saw, I think, I did I send you this? I guess it was like a meme, but it was like, wife carefully selects mum to kill or whatever this fall. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, you. That's so me. The last year when I got a mum, I killed it within the first week. It didn't even last a week. And I was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Like, well, it doesn't help that you never remember to water it. And also sometimes you just forget that it's even in your car. So then it just hot car dust, man. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Hey, you guys. Um, it's us again. Yay. It's us. We threw, we threw you for a loop on this one. <laughs> uh, so we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF, where are episodes one through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember, though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so... Here are the details. You'll be able to access our, what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. Did you know this, though? Carving jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland, but originally, they carved turnips instead of pumpkins. In Ireland. (laughs) There is a a beach called Torella in Ireland, too. So it's basically my (laughs) homeland. It's based on a character they called Stingy Jack, who repeatedly trapped the devil and only set him free if the devil promised him that Jack would never go to hell. The problem is, though, When Jack died, he learned that heaven actually didn't want his soul either, so he was doomed to wander the earth as a ghost for all eternity. Oh my gosh, it's like the Incredible Hulk. Is it? Is that what that is? Not really. Um, Oh, okay. I'm just basing this off of the movie The Wedding Singer, where she, Drew Barrymore's character is like, I feel like I'm doomed to walk the planet alone. Oh, 
for eternity. And he's like, like the Incredible Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The devil gave Jack a glowing lump of coal inside of a hollowed out turnip to light his way. So the local people began carving out scary faces into their own turnips and pumpkins to scare away evil spirits. I kind of love that. I kind of love that too. Like, I'm going to tell the boys that. It's fun. Speaking of, well, it is fun. because wait a little bit though. Yeah, maybe not Jesse. He won't get it. But anyway, uh, speaking of traditions though, many people throughout the world gather with friends and family to tell scary stories. It's funny. I don't believe in that, but it turns out I do it for a job. <laughs> like, I'm today years old when I realized that my job is to tell scary stories, but I, I categorically don't believe in it. Yeah. I mean, it's like me being like, um, okay, I think I'm going to become a spider wrangler. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. Like I'm picking the scariest thing that I can think of and then making that into a career. Exactly. You're so stupid. I know, right? But I'm glad you are. <laughs> Today, we're going to take a look at three different cases. We've got one involving witchcraft, one involving a modern-day vampire, and the third's going to have to do with the zombie apocalypse. Thrilla loves the zombie apocalypse. Buckle up, y'all. I know everything about the zombie apocalypse. Yes. Not this one in particular, though. She just likes— No, 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 no. No, no. Okay, so let's talk about Lawrence Harris. Kendra Sewing was 10 years old in January of 2008. She was in the fifth grade at Irving Elementary School in Sioux City, Iowa. She was an avid reader. She wanted to be a veterinarian when she grew up. She was also learning Japanese, which is the hard, one of the hardest languages oh to learn, I feel yeah. like. 10 years old. In her free time, she wrote short, short stories and enjoyed listening to music and playing her Game Boy. Mm. Kendra's younger sister, Alicia, also attended Irving Elementary. She was eight years old in, the, in January of 2008. And like her sister, she also loved to read. She loved playing her Game Boy. But she also loved arts and crafts and hanging out with friends and family. Both Kendra and Alicia loved to spend time on the weekends at their grandmother Cheryl's house. The girl's mother, Marla Stroman, was married to Lawrence Harris, who was their stepdad. Marla had an older son, and Larry had an infant son who he won custody over in Minnesota. Or Minnesota, if you're nasty. Oh. So for Marla, life was going great. She felt like she had a good life. She was happily married to Larry. She had a stable job that she really enjoyed as a residential assistant with Midstep Services, which provides residential, vocational, educational, and recreational services to people with intellectual disabilities in the Sioux City area. Larry grew up in California with his younger brother, Kyle Harris, and it was while they were growing up that Larry became interested in witchcraft. His brother would later testify that Larry learned and would cast spells to protect his family or for beneficial outcomes and events that were coming up. Larry told Kyle that he had cast a spell for a positive outcome in the custody battle of his son. And it wasn't a secret that Larry was totally into witchcraft. I mean, Marla knew it. Their friends and family knew it. Before meeting Marla, Larry had had some substance abuse issues or had some struggles with substance um, substances, but he had overcome all of that. And Marla described him as, quote, desperate to be a good father. Larry had a history of self-harm, social isolation, and mental illness. He had been prescribed medication, which he had been taking, but no one knew that in the months leading up to January 2008, Larry had stopped taking his medication. Marla had discovered this and gave Larry an ultimatum. She told him he had to start taking his medicine again. 
attend anger management classes, and attend couples counseling. But if he did not do all of that, she was going to leave him. And this wasn't something that she wanted to do at the time, but to protect her family, she was prepared to do it. So that brings us to January 6th, 2008. Marla was at work and was told that something had happened at her home. Earlier in the day, Larry called 911 and told them that their home was on fire. When emergency services arrived, they were met on the front porch by Larry, who said, quote, they're beep, dead. They're dead. Mm. It says expletive. I'm guessing I know the word that he used. Yeah. They're cheese and dead. Mm-hmm. They're dead. Yeah. Um, but I, d- I didn't want to say the, the bad words. Sure, sure. This is a family show. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine being the emergency services and going up to someone's house and meeting the person on the porch and be- him being like, they're all dead. They're dead. Yeah. Oh my Firefighters quickly extinguished the blaze and discovered that it had been started in the basement. Upstairs, though, both Kendra and Alicia were found dead. When questioned, Larry told police that the girls had died when he was casting a spell that went amiss. When they brought the girls' bodies out, Larry started hunching over and dry heaving. During their investigation, it was determined that the girls had died before the fire was set from strangulation and stab wounds. During his interrogation, the officers noted that Larry had blood caked under his fingernails and some on his chest. They also found what he described as his, quote, ritual blade in the basement of the home. It was covered with DNA from the girls as well, and Larry told officers that he was trying to cast a spell of protection for their older brother, but something went wrong, and it had ended with, quote, severe consequences. What went wrong? Right. And why were the consequences these two precious angels being murdered? Yeah, like, what? How could it have gone right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, something is not, a lot of things are not adding up here. I don't understand what happened. Mm-mm. But anyway, so will. no. So investigators did not buy this, and he was arrested on two counts of first degree murder. In July of 2008, Marla was granted a divorce from Larry, and as the reason for the dissolution of the marriage, she wrote, quote, Lawrence killed two of my children. Can you? Mm-mm. Like, hey guys, what happened here? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And as the judge or even the lawyer, like, um, you know, handling the divorce and seeing that and being like, oh. Yeah. Uh, granted. Exactly. Yeah, like, got it. Yeah. For his trial, the defense said that he was legally insane. There were doctors and a forensic psychiatrist who testified. They concluded that with his actions before the girl's deaths, combined with the evidence of the fire being a cover-up, it was clear that he was aware that what he did was wrong. He was not insane. The prosecution alleged that he was trying to get revenge on Marla. He suspected that she had cheated on him, and he was also upset that in a few months, the girls and Marla's older son's biological father were going to be visiting the children, and Marla offered to let him stay at their house. Mm. I'm guessing that would have been very uncomfortable, right? Sure, sure. That could have been a conversation. I don't know what happened. If she was just like, this is happening, too bad, so sad. Or if they did talk about it and maybe he was, I don't know. Yeah. But, but it's definitely, I mean, if he talked to other people about it, you know, because like on one hand, you're like, okay, well, he was on medication he was supposed to be taking, but he did stop taking it. Right. So that could lend itself to 
possibly legal insanity. Oh, sure. But sure, then sure. you bring this information in where he is talking about these things. Well, right. Kyle Harris, um, his brother, testified that Larry told him that he could hurt Marla in the worst possible way without touching her. And he also said that Larry made regular threats against Marla to him after the couple had arguments. Hmm. So. And like, I guess, you know, if you're Kyle and your brother says, you know, I can hurt Marla in the worst possible way without touching her. You're like, what does that even mean? Like divorce her and take all her money or. Right. Or yeah, or spread a rumor. But, you know, like whatever. Certainly, I'm I hope he wasn't thinking that this was a possibility. Right. And I'm guessing because, and this is speculation, I don't know, but the fact that Kyle testified against his brother leads me to believe that he would have told authorities if he thought it was a real threat. Yeah. Because it's not like he's trying to cover his ass. Exactly. So there were two weeks of testimonies before the case was handed over to a 12-member jury. They deliberated for only a few hours before returning a verdict of guilty on both counts. And Harris was given two life sentences to be served consecutively and was ordered to pay $450,000 in restitution. He is currently incarcerated in a maximum security facility in Fort Madison, Iowa. Marla has tried to move on with her life. She's remarried. She started a new family, but the loss of her girls weighs heavy on her heart, of course. Mm, bless her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, you should never, ever, ever have to write those words in your like divorce. divorce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He killed two of my children. That's why. Gosh. That's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're on to our second story. John Brennan Crutchley, the vampire rapist. In November of 1985, in Malabar, Florida, a 19-year-old girl was fighting for her life. Her kidnapper had left her alone, handcuffed in his bathroom, and she was able to escape out the window. She shakily made her way to a nearby road where several vehicles passed her by. I don't get that. I don't either. She clearly needs help. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, she's nude. Yeah. And she's in, in not good shape. Right. And she's handcuffed. What is she? What's the worst she's going to do? Yeah, exactly. She was crawling by the road when someone finally stopped to help. When the man helped her into his vehicle, she begged and pleaded with him not to take her back to, quote, that house. But she did ask him to remember which house it was, and he made a note of it. He took her to his house and called the police in an ambulance. When the authorities arrived, she was rushed to the hospital. When they examined her, they determined that she had lost 40 to 45% of her blood supply. Goodness. And she had ligature marks on her neck. And then she told them what happened. She was hitchhiking the day before, and a man stopped to give her a ride. He said it wasn't a problem for him to take her where she wanted to go, but he did need to stop by his house first and pick something up. That, see... We know too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, as people of this day and age, if you listen to true crime stuff, we know too much, right? Mm-hmm. Already. I know that there was a time in the world where hitchhiking was not only acceptable, but it was thought of as pretty safe mm-hmm. and preferable to a, way a lot of, of life. people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But the hitchhiking, that's that would be um, red flag number one because now we know, you know. Exactly. If they take you back to their house, Yes, yeah. if they're like, I just need to make a stop at my house. 
<laughs> no, thank you. So he parks, he invites her in, but she refuses. Then he exits the vehicle and gets into the back seat. That, live in the car. That's not what we talked about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden he was choking her until she lost consciousness. When she woke up later, she was tied to a kitchen countertop. She was unable to move her arms or legs. She noticed a camera had been set up, recording everything, as well as some lights. The man proceeded to rape her. Then he used needles to draw blood from her arm and wrist. Then he sat in front of her and drank her blood. Yes. And he told her he was a vampire. Can you imagine the fear? Like all the fear altogether, right? But then when he's like, I'm a vampire, like there's just something a little bit more like, what the fuck are you going to do to me? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, my gosh, like, am I transported into the darkest, scariest movie of all times? Like, this is not real life. No, exactly. (sighs) Then he took her into his bathroom and put her in the bathtub and left her alone. A few hours later, he came back into the bathroom and he did it all again. Then he left her there overnight. The next morning, he came back and he did this a third time. After the third time, he handcuffed her and told her that he was leaving. But he would be back later to rape her again and drain her blood. Don't worry, I'll come back for my appointment to do that. Mm. He also told her not to try to escape because his brother was there. And if he heard her, he would kill her. So he obviously thought that was going to keep her still. Right. She sat quietly and listened for the man to make his way through the house and leave. And she heard the car drive off. And then she started to try to figure out how to get out. She's like, "Eh -eh, I ain't waiting on this guy. She was able to push her way through the bathroom window and make her escape to help. The doctor said that if he had taken her blood for a fourth time, it would have likely killed her. She is very, very, I'm not going to say fortunate in the overall sense, but just. She got out when she did. And that was completely. uh, Somebody was looking out. She was looking out for herself. She had the will to. I don't know. Because she, I mean, he was obviously full of shit. You know, he was like, oh, my brother's here. And if he hears you, he's going to come kill you. And she's like, well, that's a risk I'm fucking willing to take at this point. And it saved her life. How much blood did he take? Oh, my gosh. And disgusting. Drinking it? I can't even. I've been, well, I had a stupid, ridiculous nose injury and swallowed a whole lot of blood. Um, It's disgusting the metallic taste and mixed my st- it made my stomach turn like I was like so nauseous it's just and that was that was an accidental um situation did not mean to swallow that much blood but it is I don't know how he did it I honestly don't without being violently ill about it no exactly Ugh, you're not supposed to do that no you're not supposed to do that Um, with the help of the man who rescued her, she was able to lead the police right to the house and it belonged to John Brennan Crutchley. So Crutchley was 39 years old. He worked for the Harris Corporation. It was a company that did contract work for NASA. God, I mean, he was like an engineer, like a successful. Yes. Think of all the things that he could have done. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Instead, he thought he was a vampire. Whatever, dude. God. It's... 
Hey y'all, did you know that we release an update all about us and what we're up to each week on our Patreon? It's called T to the Fourth Power Y, which is some time to talk to you, a nod to Not Another Teen Movie. And it's where we just gal pal with you about life, what we're watching, our love for Cracker Barrel Italian dressing. I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. You never know what you're going to get, really. Mm -hmm. If you want to catch an episode without being a patron, you are in luck. Just head over to killerqueens.link slash tt. T-T-Y, okay, time to talk to you, four T's and a Y, and you'll get to hear a full episode for free. And you can get these episodes every single week along with every single regular release episode ad-free for as little as $3 a month. That's less than half the price of the coffee I get at Starbucks, so. I know, that's crazy. I know, what a deal. Mm-hmm. And for $10 a month, you get all that plus our other two Patreon-exclusive shows, Murder Mixtapes, which is a full bonus case each week. Recent cases are Tara Grinstead, Hannah Cornelius, and New York Body Snatchers, just to name a few. And you also get our other Patreon-exclusive show, Doc Jams, which is where we cover true crime documentaries episode by episode. We've done... Don't Fuck With Cats. We've done Crime Scene on Netflix. They have Cecil Hotel and Times Square Killer. We've done The Jinx. We've done so many more. So be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash T-T-T-T-Y to get your free episode and hundreds more episodes to download right now and binge when you become a member of our Patreon community. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Growing up, Crutchley was a loner without many friends. He preferred the company of electronics and gadgets that he could tinker with in the family basement. His family was described as well-to-do, meaning that they had money. His love of electronics paid off for him early, though, as he was able to earn money in high school by fixing electronics for people around town. He graduated from Defiance College in Ohio with a bachelor's degree in physics in 1970. After that, he earned a master's in engineering administration from George Washington University. GW. Oh, GW. During which he also married his first wife. After his graduation, though, his marriage failed and he moved to Indiana. He took a job with an electronics company that designed and manufactured large facility security systems. 
He worked there for several years as an electrical systems engineer. He left, though, when he came under investigation by the plant security for some materials that went missing. And he was just like, don't look at me, bye! Yeah, don't check my bag. (laughs) He relocated to Virginia in the mid-70s. While he was there, he worked for several high-tech companies over the course of a few years. It was also around this time that several teenage girls in the area went missing. Mm -mm -mm. Then in 1983, Crutchley and his second wife moved to Florida, where he started work at the Harris Corporation. His second wife is uh, a piece of work. (sighs) Don't even get me started. Uh Yeah. That brings us back to the police investigation at hand. So a search warrant was obtained and served at the Crutchley's home. Um, and his, they also had a son who lived there. They, his wife and son were out of town for the Thanksgiving holiday though. So it was just him alone. That's great. Perfect time to be a vampire. Yeah, exactly. They found the video camera that the victim mentioned, but the tape inside had been erased, which of course, because he comes home and she's gone. Yeah. So he's got to get rid of the evidence. Yeah. He was arrested and photos were taken of the house during his initial search, this initial search. In these photos, a stack of credit cards several inches thick could be seen. You guys, it is it is like put two books on top of each other. That's how many credit cards are stacked together. Darn. There were so many. Authorities contacted FBI profiler Robert Ressler, who's often credited with coining the term serial killer. He had worked several high-profile cases, including Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, and Richard Chase. When Ressler came in and talked with Crutchley and looked over all the notes from the case, he immediately said, this guy has killed before. He classified him as, quote, a serial killer of the organized type. Ressler suggested they obtain another search warrant, which had a much wider scope. During this search, that stack of credit cards was missing and was never located. <laughs> they still don't know where those fucking credit cards are. That's so annoying. And again, I they- cannot emphasize how big the stack of credit cards are. So is this just like credit cards of victims over the years? I guess. I would have loved, because I'm sure that they couldn't have taken any of that stuff, right? Yeah. But could we spread it out and take a picture of those? Yeah, see what the names were or something? Yeah. Jeez. They also found a stack of index cards. There were 72 of them. Now, when Wrestler said a serial killer of the organized type, understatement of the year right yeah. 72 index cards each one had a woman's name and a description of their quote sexual performances i do not like that i don't like it that at is all it's like a dewey decimal system of dick con well i was gonna say conquest but you <laughs> i wanted you to go with the alliteration oh dewey decimal system of dick there you go So when the women were contacted, some said that while they were there with Crutchley, he had crossed the line from kinky, consensual sex into sexual assault. Mm. His wife was aware and in some encounters participated, and she stood up for Crutchley and even said that the attack on the teenage girl was, you guys. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, window open scale. Oh, Wrecking Ball, Miley Cyrus, throw your own fucking self out the window. Listen to this. Mm. Karen Crutchley brought her fucking audacity with her that day. And this girl who was raped, her blood was 
extracted and drank in front of her. And she had 55 to 60% of her blood left. Uh Uh-huh. And she had um, ligature marks on her neck and all these things. Handcuffed. Handcuffed. Hands and feet. Yep. All this stuff. Look, guys, that's not a big deal. She said it was a, quote, gentle rape, devoid of any overt brutality. Guess what? You cannot put gentle and rape together. Nope, they don't go. There is no such thing. It's like broccoli in a quesadilla. It doesn't go. <sighs> exactly. It's it's an oxymoron. It does not work. It cannot happen. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. A gentle rape. I cannot. In June of 1986, Crutchley pled guilty to kidnapping and rape charges in exchange for prosecutors dropping a charge of grievous bodily harm. Bullshit. Exactly. He said that drinking blood had been introduced to him in the 1970s by a nurse as part of a sexual ritual. Drinking blood doesn't do it for me, but I don't know. I have a problem. I don't know. This is, I'm not. I drink water. Or if I'm feeling squirrely, I'll have a white claw. That's about it. Will not have any, I mean, maybe like milk, coffee in the morning, something like that. I can't even drink orange juice anymore because of the old acid reflux. Oh, sure, sure, sure. How do you? Let's say that I had the biggest crush on somebody and we started doing, getting down and dirty and they were like, hey, have you ever tried blood? (laughs) I would be like, my dad is calling me and I actually have to go. Um, I forgot. Um, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. So bye. I have to babysit my dog's cousin. Mm-hmm. So I actually have to go. Um, like who? Ha- mm. No. You got to really know your audience, I guess, if you're going to be like, for sure about some blood. And I mean, you know, we're not kink shamers, whatever. Consensual. Consensual is the key, though, isn't it? See, consent is sexy. Oh, very. Let's always get that consent. Mm -hmm. If you're drinking somebody's blood and they're like, hey, I want you to drink this blood. And you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to drink that blood. I love that all day long. Oh, yeah. That's love that journey for you guys. If, if, If you're getting it, though, and like you're drinking the blood and the person is like, you know, okay, maybe a little drop of blood. Okay, I could get down with that. And then they're like, this is too much blood. I don't like this much blood. This is a lot of blood. Then that's where it stops. Mm-hmm. See how consent is is a living, breathing thing. It evolves, and you got to keep checking in on it. Absolutely. I also think, um, while we're on the topic of consent, no matter what kind of rape it is, if you want to call mm-hmm. it gentle, because you want to lie to yourself and the world and baby Jesus all at once, sure. call it a, a gentle rape. Um, the word rape, it doesn't even imply. it. It's flashing neon sign not consensual. Not consensual. Yep, yep, yep. And I am so mad for the victim who had to hopefully not hear it. I'm sure she did, though. Yeah. That somebody had the audacity to say it was a gentle... You don't get to tell me what, what I went through. Exactly. That was her, you know? You can't tell me that it was gentle because you didn't experience it. Exactly. What is happening? Okay, but here's the thing. Crutchley argued, and this is why he wanted them to drop the charge of grievous bodily harm, because he said, look, you know, I got introduced to drinking blood anyway by somebody else. Somebody else told me to do it, so it's her fault. Um, And it was like just a sexual thing, so like NBD. Um, But also, by the time 
I went to drink this blood. Mm-hmm. It had already coagulated. I couldn't even get it down. Ugh. So how are you even going to count that against me when I didn't even get to drink it? Like, yeah, did I totally drain her blood? Yeah, drain her blood out of her body without her saying, yeah, let's do this. Um, Yeah, maybe I did. But did I get to enjoy it? No. no. And if you didn't get to enjoy it, then you see you can't press charges. Well, it might as well never even happened. Exactly. It didn't happen, as far as he's concerned. I I have to, after we're done with this, I'm going to go scream into my pillow for about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Understandable. Yeah. And then put on, I don't even know, uh, As Told by Ginger, because that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, old Karen Crutchley did not testify on her husband's behalf, but she did talk to the press and she said, look, he's just a, quote, kinky sort of guy. I mean, what was he supposed to do? <laughs> Honestly, he just likes this kind of stuff. And if it's gentle and he didn't even get to drink the blood, it none of it counts anyway. Right. Jeez. And she's like, why do I have to say this out loud? Like, yes. Do you not get it? He didn't didn't even drink it. God. He's just a kinky little scallywag. Come on. Blood went bad. He couldn't even drink it. Get over it. If you bought milk and you let it sit for too long and it goes bad. Did you drink the milk? No. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But but did you even buy it? Mm -mm, No. Nope. Sure didn't. And you should get your money back. Exactly. The judge sentenced him to 25 years to life with 50 years of parole if or when he was released. After the conviction in 1986, Ressler wrote about the case and said that he expected that Crutchley would be released by 1998. In 1978, while Crutchley was in Virginia, he dated 25-year-old Deborah Fitzjohn. While he was dating her, she went missing. She was last seen alive in the trailer park where he lived. He was questioned on several occasions, but due to lack of any evidence, he was never charged, even after her remains were found by a hunter one year later. Crutchley also lived in Pennsylvania for a bit, during which time several women were reported missing as well. There was also a teenager, Kathy Lynn Beatty, who went missing in the area where Crutchley's in-laws lived. In the end, he was never arrested for any of these women's murders or disappearances, although he is suspected to be involved in 30-plus disappearances in places he lived throughout the country. Dear God. Yeah. FBI profiler Ressler predicted that Crutchley would be released in 1998, like we mentioned, but he was actually released in 1996 after serving 11 years and getting out for good behavior. Love that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if the crime is sexually motivated and all we do is put them in jail, which they he needs to go to jail. And I don't know if any type of cognitive behavioral therapy or anything can fix that. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's how he gets sexual gratification, we cannot let him out. He's going to do it again. Right. And even though he wasn't convicted of grievous bodily harm, this was a brutal and violent attack on someone. Exactly. It's, I mean, like, you don't just stop doing that. No, you don't. You don't. I just, yeah, but mm-hmm. they let him out. So he was transferred to an Orlando halfway house where he would serve out his 50-year parole. If you have to put somebody on parole for 50 years, like, that just, 
I don't know. That seems like a long pearl. It does to me, too. It's a very light sentence with a long pearl. Yeah. I don't really understand how yeah. those two make sense. Um, he also was supposed to undergo counseling and pay restitution. The day after he was released, the day after he was released, he failed a drug test by testing positive for marijuana and was arrested on a probation violation. He said that he didn't smoke it, but that other inmates had blown it in his face. So I've used that excuse before. Yeah, not his fault. <laughs> I I definitely did not smoke the wacky tobacco. I didn't Mm-mm. even look at it. No. Somebody held me down. I was walking down the street. Yes. And somebody blew it out. It's literally that 70s show, that episode where it's like, not the littlest though. <laughs> like, no, everybody knew. Yeah. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. At the trial for his parole violation, though, the prosecution provided evidence of Crutchley confessing to a corrections officer that he smoked it because of his legal trouble, saying it had a calming effect. Does he not know? I mean, he said it to an officer. Like, I... I mean, I trusted you. <laughs> Yours was a tell on me. On January 31st, 1997, Crutchley was given life in prison under the three strikes law. His first two convictions were for the kidnapping and rape of the teenage girl. On March 30th, 2002, correctional officers entered Crutchley's cell and found him dead with a plastic bag over his head. Where did he get a plastic bag? I have no Are they idea. supposed to? I don't know. On August 1st, 2003, the Florida Department of Corrections declared that Crutchley died of autoerotic asphyxiation. A kink till the end. Yep. He's just a little kinky, isn't he? He is. He's a kinky sort of guy. That's what his wife said. Ugh. But. But. I mean, and again, I'm not kink shaming. We're not kink shaming. There's nothing wrong with it. This particular human being is a disgust. Yes. Yes. And that's who we're bullying about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's the worst. Let your freak flag fly. Mm-hmm. Do it all day long. Consent. That's what we like. That's what we like to hear. Mm-hmm. And so the last case is The Walking Dead Made Me Do It. In July of 2015 in Bay, Arkansas, which is just south of Jonesboro. Hello, Jonesboro. I know somebody from Jonesboro. Hey. Oh, hey. Patsy Scott had been trying to reach her 90-year-old mother, Lavinda Counts, on the phone. After not being able to reach her, Patsy and her husband drove to Lavinda's house to check on her. When they got there, Lavinda's car was gone, which wouldn't set off any alarms, but it was later in the day, so they went into the house to wait for her to come back home. When they got inside, though, Patsy noticed that the beds were unmade, which definitely set off alarm bells. I can relate. I understand. I do not. I was like, dang. I mean, it wouldn't set any alarm bells off for me. If I am out of the bed... And I, cause I like, I just like a made bed. I always have, always will. Uh, that bed is made. Mm-hmm. I lounge on it from time to time, but like I can relate to Lavinda. I, you make your bed when you get up. If not for anything else other than a spider crawling inside of it. That was hurtful. They do that. That's hurtful. So, well, it's true. And we have to talk about the issues. That's why we're here. I don't like that. Well, Terrell, I'm sorry. I didn't make the spiders crawl in your bed. Oh my God, stop saying it. <gasps> can't quit hey you guys have you ever wondered about the backstory like why we call our dad Miss KB we have gotten this question so many times we thought we'd release a little freebie for you 
So we recorded a Patreon-exclusive Q&A last year, and be warned, we were outside and there was some wind, Mm -hmm. where we answered this question, and we want y'all to have the answer even if you're not a patron. Yeah, so be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash misskb, M-I-S-S-K-B, and grab the audio. And don't forget, if you want the full Q&A or access to our entire catalog of over 450 patron-only episodes with all our regular episodes ad-free, you can join the Patreon for less than one and a half Starbucks drinks per month. I mean, that's a good deal. It's a steal. It is. It's a steal. You'll get four episodes per week from us, all ad-free, plus anything fun we do like Q&As or literally anything else. So definitely check it out. And not every tier includes every episode. Yeah, we do have different tiers. So just be sure everything's listed out there when you check it out. But in the meantime, be sure to grab your free audio about Miss KB and how he came to be called that at killerqueens.link slash Miss KB. So back to the story. Yes, it definitely set off alarm bells because if there was one thing that Lavinda never did, it was leave the house without the beds being made. When people describe Lavinda, you always hear the same thing. Quote, you couldn't meet a better lady. And one of the elders in her church had known her all his life. He said that she was the same woman that she was 50 years ago. She was always more concerned about the needs of others and putting her family first. The preacher at the church, Mark Brewer, said, quote, she's greatly loved, not only by her family, but also by her church family, by everyone here in the community. Miss Lavinda was one of the sweetest ladies. She's always here, was always here, excuse me, Always faithful, concerned about the community, concerned about every member. Mm. If someone was missing, she was the one who was concerned. Back at Lavinda's house, Patsy found a black bag on a chair in the living room. Initially, she thought it was a new bag that her mom had, but when she went to lift it up, it was heavy. She opened it up, and her heart began to race and sink at the same time. Inside this bag, she found a washcloth, hammer, hatchet, rope, and a club wrapped in plastic tape. Patsy said, quote, I, can, I can't describe the panic I had not knowing where she was. I picked the bag up, then dropped it, and started praying. Mm. They called the police, and a search commenced. The day after Lavinda went missing, her car was found in, a, in nearby Jonesboro in the parking lot of the NEA Baptist Memorial Hospital. There was security footage of the parking lot, and when they reviewed the footage, they saw a man park the car, then get out and walk away. Several groups of volunteers had formed search areas for Lavinda. For days, they looked all over, and as each day passed, they grew less and less confident that they would find her alive. Lavinda had been reported missing on July 3rd, and on July 12th, a volunteer searching a remote cornfield came upon her body. She had been shot in the head and left there. Mm. With the discovery of her body, their investigation turned from a missing person to a homicide, and they had to find the man from the tape. They questioned a man named Corey Phillips who lived near the hospital where the car was found. He told them that a friend of his had randomly showed up at his house the day the car was parked. And he asked Corey for a ride and said that if that he was dropped off at the hospital earlier to visit someone. And that friend was Richard Tarver. Hmm. When they asked what time that was, it matched up with the timestamps on the tape. So they zero in on Tarver. Five days after they found Lavinda's body, authorities went to Tarver's home and spoke with him. And initially, he thought they were there about something else. Like, he had an altercation with a police officer, so he thought that's what they wanted to talk to him about. But it became clear very quickly as they were speaking why they were really there. They were questioning him about Lavinda. And while they were doing that, Tarver ended up confessing to killing her. 
Tarver said on the night of July 2nd, he had been binge watching The Walking Dead before going to sleep. The next morning, he woke up and walked to Lavinda's house and knocked on the door. She answered and he pushed her inside and got her car keys. He forced her into the trunk of the car and began to drive, looking for a remote place to stop and kill her. He settled on the cornfield and got Lavinda out and shot her. Then he drove her car to the hospital and walked to his friend's house and asked for a ride. Tarver's DNA was found on the washcloth inside of the bag that was found in Lavinda's home. And when his trial took place, his fence tried his fence. <laughs> his fence. He's got a really talented fence. And supportive. I mean, because not only does it like keep shit in, it keeps shit out, and it also acts as a lawyer. I know. You have the right to <laughs> be president. To- Yes, to make your lawyer present. President. Wow. Fuck. Oh, um, no. Anyway, yes, this fence was also the defense attorney. Um, just kidding. No, I messed up. So his defense tried to claim that his confession was given under duress, and he feared that if he didn't confess, that the police would arrest his wife and take his daughter away. They said that during the confession, he, quote, blanked out and would have said anything they wanted. Tarver said that the officer who served him with the initial search warrant was a, quote, monster for coming into his home, <laughs> which the prosecutor said was extremely ironic. <laughs> Take notes, Alanis. Mm-hmm. It's extremely ironic considering what he did to Lavinda. Yeah. You're calling, okay, the police coming into your home are monsters, but you broke into somebody's home and murdered her. Uh-huh. See how that's different? And you pushed your way into her house. The police went tap, 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 tap. And you answer the door and they're like, can we come in? And you're like, yep. Knock-a-doodles. <laughs> you know? Knock-a-doodle doing. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. The water's fine. I know. You didn't give that to Lavinda. No. <gasps> so when officers tried to execute the search warrant, Tarver refused to open the door, so they forced entry. They found Tarver with his wife and daughter inside the living room watching a CCT or watching on a CCTV mounted on the wall. And they found a 38 caliber weapon that had been defaced, which means the serial number had been removed. So throughout the trial, the prosecution kept bringing up Tarver's infatuation with zombies in the apocalypse. The jurors were shown video footage of his confession in which he said, quote, I have been watching a lot of Walking Dead. An old person is the closest thing you can get to a zombie. I can't explain it. Well, because it's not true and it doesn't make sense. An old person is the closest thing you can get to a zombie? Sir. I'll tell you what probably is the closest thing you can get to a zombie. That would be a mannequin. Okay. A motorized mannequin. Maybe like a robotic mannequin or something. Mm -hmm. That could work. Yeah. Not an actual human being. No, because zombies aren't real. No, zombies aren't real. And leave the old people out of it. I My know. God. How rude. They've lived through. And Lavenda was the nicest person. She had, I've got the amount of kindness that she had in her pinky is more than I have in my entire body. I know. Oh, for sure. Why? You've got nothing. Yeah. You better hush. <sighs> Walked right into that one, didn't I? But still, this is just, I mean, I. A couple things this episode um, that my mouth dropped open when I read it. Um, but, well, okay, let me get through this yeah, first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Tarver was found guilty of capital murder, kidnapping, aggravated residential burglary, abuse of a corpse for leaving her body in the cornfield, 
theft of property, and possession of a defaced firearm. And he was given three life sentences plus 22 years. Mm. So, back to what I was going to say before I interrupted myself. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't even me this time. I- but myself, yes. Um, so, when this stupid asshole oh. was like, the closest thing you can get to a zombie is an old person, I was like... Somebody hold my earrings and my hair extensions. Like, I'm going to go crazy on this guy. Yeah. Go ham on him. Yeah. I ju- the second part was the gentle rape. I was like, I'm I'm going <sighs> to pop off. I, I could not believe it. I read some excerpts from a book that was written about the Crutchley case. And just mm-hmm. some of the shit that Karen Crutchley had the nerve to say was just like, she was like, I just don't get what the big fuss is all about about this. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I just, it's not, you cannot say how someone's experience feels for them or how you can't diminish it. That's not okay. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. This woman was, she was attacked. She was brutally, and don't you dare call it a gentle rape, she was brutally assaulted. And she almost died. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm telling you, if he had his way, which I think we all know and agree with, if he had his way, she she wouldn't be here. He planned on doing it more than that. It wasn't like, all right, well, exactly. we got to the hospital. Yeah, exactly. He just left the house probably because he like had to go to work so he would have an alibi or something. Right. Yeah, he didn't leave her, you know, for any other reason other than he had to, to to not get caught. And when he came back, he was absolutely, he told her, when I come back, we're going we're gonna to do the whole thing again. I'm going to rape you and I'm going to drink your blood. Mm-hmm. And she, by that point, would have lost so much blood that she would not have been able to sustain life. I just cannot believe the, (laughs) how dismissive Mm -hmm. Karen and just this whole thing. I'm just, oh my God, that makes me so mad. Exactly. But anyway. But anyway. That's, uh, that's it. There we have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, happy, Okay. We have, we used to have, Terrell, I think you still have it, the pumpkin. Happy Halloween. Ah, 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 ah. I don't Remember? think I have it. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, we used to have it. It was this like hanging little pumpkin and he pushes something. I don't know, his nose? His yeah, you push something, push yeah. It. And he says that. And so that's the message I want to leave you guys with. That's it. Happy Halloween, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, share your, uh, costumes. your costumes and whatnot with us. And stay safe out there for, oh, for sure. Oh, my goodness, yes. But thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. And we will meet you back here next week. Bye. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.